0: you'll be ready to move on to the next phase of your career. While for many jobs, this can entail going to another company. It doesn't always have to be that way. In fact, if you like your current job, you may want to stay at the same place, but move into another position. Also, if you're planning to leave, there's a good chance that you'll want to change what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. In either case, You need to position yourself well so that you can reach your career goals. In this episode, we're going to talk about exactly how to do that. We've brought on Stephen Fowler to join us and talk with us about it. But before we get going, Will, what have you been fighting this week?
1: I have been fighting with uh, SQL Server Temporal Tables and uh, getting state of the system at various points. Uh, historically and trying to make sure the triggers and all that stuff are set up appropriately. Um, it's been fun. It's been nasty database stuff that nobody else wants to touch and they just let me do it. It's great.
0: You would enjoy that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's it's really detail oriented and annoying and kind of makes me happy. So how about you,
2: Steven? So I am focused in leading a team and creating a new SaaS product to help manage cloud governance specifically.
0: Nice. Cool. So, for me, school is finally out and I passed my final, therefore I passed the class. I actually, I think I only need to make a 26 on the final to pass the class. So, you know, but it's just a big relief that the semester's over with. Uh, the last couple of weeks have been pretty crazy. If you've been watching um, the uh, the Facebook Lives, you, you've seen like all the craziness as I talked about it. And it's, you know... Also, the weather's getting nice and people are wanting to get out. And so, it's just like all the stuff piling on to trying to study. In really awesome news, I hit one of my uh, goals for the year a bit early. You guys know that we do the, the goals and resolutions episode every year. Well, if you follow me on social media, you already have seen the pics. I set a goal to lose two pant sizes this year. And uh, it was a little bit of a give me because I was almost down one when the year started. But uh, it's the beginning of May, and I am down two pant sizes. You know, they're, they're still a little tight, but I can comfortably wear them. Very exciting.
1: Hey, you under-promised and over-delivered, man. That's good.
0: <laughs> um, but uh, since I'm talking about weight loss, I've got kind of a cool product for IOTs. ShapeScale is more than just a scale measuring your weight. It creates a 3D image of your body and sends the data to an app that lets you see things like a heat map of your body or your weight loss progress. Uh, It's really cool because it'll show you, you know, each week the different amount that you've lost. It'll even create localized metrics for different areas of your body that you want to improve. Uh, The way it works, a robotic arm extends from the scale and kind of rotates around your body while you stand still. Um, On the head of the arm is three sensors, uh, an infrared, an RBG camera, and then uh, a light sensor. And it collects data, then sends it to an app on your phone that interprets it and kind of creates a plan based on your goals. It's really neat, a bit expensive at uh, around $350. But Something definitely to check out. Really cool. I have a link to it in the show notes. Will, who's talking to us this week?
1: Well, we got a comment on the salary negotiations episode from Josh Smith. Says this was a great and informative episode. Really enjoyed it.
0: Thanks, Josh. Um, We learned a lot from that episode as well. While we don't have guests on very often, we always get something out of it and learn something from them. So send us an email with your contact information because we've got a complete developer water bottle just for you. And guys, if you'd like your very own complete developer water bottle, leave us a review on iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all of our episodes to Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. We're also on Instagram and Tumblr. You can check us out each week where we do a live show and talk about what's going on in the tech world and answer some listener questions. Or join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to Slack complete developer network.com
1: whether you are a junior developer who wants to move up to mid-level or a software development manager who would like to eventually become cio your progress through the ranks will be slow if you don't position yourself well for your next career move to help talk this through we've brought on stephen fowler who has basically had every position in this industry from programmer to vp of engineering uh stephen can you tell us a little bit more about yourself
2: yeah, I'm, I started way back banging on an Atari 400, uh, started writing some programming back in the mid-80s and knew what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And then from that, uh, just got on into industry, uh, mid-90s, and uh, found myself growing different professional services firms and delivering software in different industries. And then uh, actually had my second company acquired, and now I'm back at it again with another startup.
0: Now, you, you kind of hinted at it a little bit, but the first question i like to ask all of our guests is, what got you interested in technology? Like, why did you want to do it, go into it? What was it that just like made you love it? So, I think there was probably
2: kind of two things. I would say that one is maybe a little bit about how my brain is wired and wanting to be an engineer. And then I think the second part of it is my personality and being and gravitating towards that instant gratification that you can get as a developer as you s- systematically build widgets, and they get bigger and bigger, and it just feeds on itself. And so, um, I I knew early in life that the people who was like, "You're going to go build a a church with hand carved stones, but you won't finish it, n- nor will your kids, but their grandkids will someday." I that's not me. Those long drawn out uh, generational tasks.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm right there with you. I yeah. I love that too. Um, so and I I like the. With technology especially with programming like you can you can work on something and see results right away you got it jumping right on in um with the first question here how do you know when it's time to try to move up in an organization so i guess there's there's two things to that i
2: think from a satisfaction standpoint there are some people who uh are still senior software engineers because they truly do enjoy every day the activities that go with that role and that they're not motivated by uh, moving up either because of the title or the monetary standpoint, uh, primarily because of those activities. But if you do uh, want to progress, then there is a specific pattern to follow uh, in order to achieve that.
0: I can, I can see that I have a coworker that, um, I learned a lot from him. He's been doing this. Um, well, he's about to retire. He's a few years away from retirement. And he's a senior developer. He told me, one. he's like, one time I did the lead thing. I hated it. And now all I want to do is be a senior developer. And he's just, like, really happy with where he is.
2: Yeah, um, and just to that, no. I have a brother who's four years my senior, and he's worked for me on a number of my companies. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. there there are people that that's what they want to do, and yeah. are completely happy with that. And then there's other people who, um, like my my architect, is younger than me. Is just very ambitious.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think that does have a, a lot to play with it. I think if you understand the pattern to follow, and you've got the drive and, pa- and ambition to do it, then then you can.
1: Yeah, I've noticed that, you know, as as I've come up in the ranks, like I used to really want to be a senior dev and and just be just that and after a while I realized I can't make a dent in the world as just one developer like I can managing developers and you know figuring out the people problems and you know getting all the other parts working other than just the code.
2: Yeah. And I think that that really resonated for me as well. I mean, as much as I like writing code and delivering software-based solutions, I, I get every day um, just the unbelievable ability to serve the people who who I collaborate with, who work with me and for me. And I don't just see them, but I see the faces of their spouses and their children behind them. And to know that I might you know, provide a small part in being able to provide um, an opportunity for them is just extremely rewarding.
1: That's, that sounds very familiar. So what, when you're talking about moving up, uh, what kind of groundwork do you put in place before you consider yourself prepared to try for a move? And what should you know about how you're going to be evaluated you know, when you're doing that? Excellent question. I
2: think for me, I think sometimes people get so wrapped up in the specific activities that they execute every day that they don't take a step back and take a look at the bigger picture. What do I mean by that? First, what they need to understand is specifically how in their current role they are being measured. They should also try to understand how their peers are being measured and their managers, their directors and their leaders. And that as much as they are to finish their tasks within their role, they really are trying to manifest and try to facilitate those outcomes of measurement for themselves, their peers and their leaders. And in that way, you become an enabler to, to the success of the people around you. And so, I think it really kind of starts there. And, and then to that point as well is, what is that target role that you want to move into? And do you enjoy the, the, the activities that you would do on a daily basis? But really define how you will be measured in, in, that, in that future role. And what I would say is this, to the extent that the measurement is business outcome-based and not just numbers and some kind of check-in, check-out or those types of things, you will move up faster. Because at the end of the day, we do not write code, we produce business outcomes. It starts with writing code, but it ultimately rolls up. And I I actually have a little bit of a story with that with one of the people that worked with me, if if, uh, if you want to hear that. Sure. Yes. So, I had a guy... Uh, for my, with a startup, we were doing um, medical software. His name was Dan and he was struggling a little bit. And so, I, I came up to him and I said, Dan, you just, you seem a little disconnected from the work. What, what's going on? And he goes, um, I, I don't know, Steve. I, I just, I don't know. And I said, okay, tell you what, my sense is, is that you you don't have a shared vision for what we're doing. So, let me ask you a question, Dan. What, what do you write? What do you do? And he goes, um, I, "I I I write code. And I go, Mm, what do you do um i i i I make i make software i make i make medical software and i said no what really dan think about it what do you do and he goes steve i i I don't know just tell me what do i do i go dan we write code that creates a dialysis tool that is used by nurses to help improve the health and the length of life for patients Someone's mom, someone's grandmother is being helped by what you're doing. And until you internalize that, there's only so effective you're going to be in your role. So, don't, don't, don't lose track that you produce outcomes that help people in a meaningful way. And, 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 and that really got his head back in the game and it really fundamentally changed, um, you know, where he was at.
0: Yeah, that's- I can totally see that um, because I remind myself regularly what, what I do and how it affects people. I work in the the public sector for the uh, state government, so it like I'm constantly reminding myself when I have to deal with the bureaucracy about the good things yeah. that I get to do here and how I'm helping and helping make not just our local government but the world a better place.
1: You got um, it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that stuff kind of fits in with how you're supposed to characterize your stuff that you've done on your resume too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I try to tell people, you know, definitely you got to have the acronyms and the technologies and you want them to be current and the things that people are wanting to adopt, but also make sure that you map to how those produce outcomes, specifically business outcomes. And and to the extent that you can directly correlate to you doing one of two things, increasing revenue or reducing cost, right? You're creating efficiencies or you're producing revenue. And to the extent that you can objectively do that versus kind of softly mapping it subjectively, the the, the more you're going to have a case of saying, um, you know, the company generated this revenue, it it came in because of this product within our offering, and I was the lead on that. So that was kind of me and, and the team. And so, you know, as a result of that, I'd like to be recognized appropriately. And I think a reasonable ask would be as follows.
1: How do you get those numbers out of a company, by the way? Because I think that's something a lot of our listeners probably have a hard time getting their head around.
2: Yeah. Well, so it it depends on how close you are to uh, the financials. Sometimes if you work more as a systems integrator and you are work for hire, you may actually as part of the contract deliverables, see some of the monies. And so you can actually kind of use that. Um, in lieu of that, there are other techniques that you can do to, for all intensive purposes, uh, get a sense for what the market value is uh for the work that you're doing, and quite frankly say, and if I am off base, you show me the real numbers and let's have a conversation about it.
0: I like okay. that attitude that that uh going with the flow like you you come in with numbers and if you're wrong, that doesn't destroy your world you're like all right let's let's work with that what what are the real numbers i I like that attitude, and I think a lot of people have trouble with thinking that way because you get you get a certain mindset and all right this is what i'm going to say this is what i don't know if, if you guys do this but sometimes i practice conversations especially with my boss
2: uh, <laughs> oh absolutely you, I, that conversation should be absolutely scripted and um and 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 think of the two or three different uh flows in that decision tree of where the conversation could go and and be ready with with responses mm-hmm. and and um and to the extent that you can do that the, the more effective you're going to be and uh and, and I, ha, I, I've seen it in industry. There are people that are highly leveraged that come to me for advice. And I say, listen, man, you, you do not know what your worth is to that company and you, uh, and, and they're going to let you, they're going to let you just, uh, they're going to get a good deal on you and let you g- and be a good deal for as long as you let them. <laughs> and then it's up to you to say, Hey, listen, I think I really, truly understand the value that I bring. And so let's, let's make this uh fair and equitable in, in the relationship.
0: No, I see that. you You hit on something that that kind of pulls up the the next question we wanted to ask was, uh, do you suggest finding a mentor? And if so, how would someone go about doing that?
2: Okay. There's two ways you're going to get a mentor. There's going to be one where someone offers to be your mentor and one where you need to solicit someone to be your mentor. Let's take the first one. Anybody that offers you to be a mentor, I would be a little bit cautious. Either they're extremely altruistic and are just want to be generous or... They might not be as good of a mentor because typically people that are good mentors, they are busy doing what they do, which brings me to the second one. The people that are worth mentoring, the way that you show, uh, that I'm, wor- that you're worth investing in is to make it reciprocal. So always first be of value before you ask someone to be of value back to you. And, we, and, and there's tons of stories in, in, in industry where, you know, people have said, hey, I'll work in the mailroom, I'll do whatever it takes. And then when someone shows that their value, then, then the, the mentor reciprocates. And then the hero story is, is the person's out of the mailroom, and they've got a corner office up, uh, you know, on the, on the top floor.
0: I mean, that, that follows the same kind of advice that um, I give to people when they're they're kind of shy, and they want to make more friends. Which is the way to make friends is to be a friend. You got it. Yeah, uh, just that, that follows right right along with that. Um, yep. I mean, not not everybody can be lucky enough to have a best friend that just offers to mentor you.
1: Well, and I think uh, you know this is you know pretty similar to some of the stuff that you know Beach and I've run into because we've kind of mentored developers, and there's a lot of uh, software development mentors out there that don't really have. Much experience, especially like life experience. You know, I've seen a lot of, you know, mentoring type setups basically where somebody is, you know, they're 23 and they're trying to mentor somebody that's in their 30s. You know, it's like they don't have a kid, they don't have any of this other stuff going on, and their advice is terrible.
2: Yeah. And I think that's the other part of it as part of that filter. If people are looking to be, um, you know, it's the same thing with the whole guru, right? The second someone says, I'm a guru and I'm trying to sell you a program, it's like, why aren't you doing the very thing that you, that you have in your program? And, and, and then if you're doing it, why would you create competition, right? So, there, there has to be a value exchange, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I can see that. And it's, um, I don't know, it, I can see the attitude of you've got the 23-year-old helping an 18-year-old. Yeah. out you know it's like you help someone who's not as far along um down the path will i i i feel terrible i should remember this term from martial arts um what what is it it's not like sensei. a senpai
1: kohai senpai. yes yeah. that's
0: the term i was looking for yeah yeah
1: um
0: the, that senpai that like older brother kind of guidance
1: yeah the guy that's already made all the mistakes that you're about to make <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, the term sensei, if I remember correctly, if you look at the kanji, it means like one who has lived through what's ahead. It doesn't mean teacher. Yeah.
2: yeah. And the other thing, too, is you. Ne- I, I recommend people, to the extent that you can, always try to carve out time where you can always be a mentor and be mentored. Uh, that way, you're, you're receiving what's coming, you know, where you're heading, and you're, you're also passing that knowledge along.
1: So, uh, you know, we talked about the, you know, the interactions there. Um, What about the interactions with the rest of your team and how should you be doing those interactions so that you stay on management's radar?
2: Well, once again,
1: I think to the extent that you understand how people are being
2: measured and you produce those measures, you're getting the checkbox for yourself and then you're also facilitating getting checkbox for your managers or your directors or your leaders, depending on how high up you are, you are going to see you're going to be seen as a facilitator for those people getting the outcomes that they want personally. And they're going to bring you along. I mean, that's, that's what I do. I've, I've had, I've got relationships that go back to 1999. I bring them with me with every opportunity because, you know, it's that type of relationship and people rotate in and out of your life. I'm constantly looking for 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 people that, you know, have that level of awareness.
1: Yeah. How do you I mean, how do you find that stuff out? Like, um, you know, I work at a small business and we're not particularly formal as far as, you know, what benchmarks people have. And like, I don't know, you know, on my team how really any of us are evaluated.
2: Well, so ultimately, in lieu of formal um, you know, measures it is. Are you driving business success? Right. And you, and like I said, in- increasing revenue, reducing costs. So if you know the things that you're doing are manifesting those things, you're right. That's for you to be able to come and say, listen, um, We don't even have a review process. I'm just coming to you out of the blue. And I know there's no formal measurement process, but, you know, I've been thinking about the last, I've reflected upon the last 12 months. I've produced these outcomes for the business. I believe that they represent this amount of monies and these types of things. And so, you know, I would want to be rightfully recognized for that. And I I have a proposal for you for how I think
1: that recognition can occur. And then you make your ask. Okay. How do you figure out what's a reasonable ask? That's the other fun thing. Well, so sometimes what it is is if you
2: if you're really on your game, you could say, listen, I believe what would be in the interest of our organization would be for for a team to work on this and I'd like to lead that up or move in this area or whatever and and be kind of that entrepreneur, right? You hear that term, right? Entrepreneur. And and the and, and the reality is is I've got people on my team where literally the trust level is so high, they could come to me and say, Steve, I see an opportunity. And I'm like, okay, what do you need? I don't even ask them what it is. They've built that trust with me. They're like, I need two guys in 20k, or four guys, and you know what? I'm like, okay, um, what else? Are we good? Uh, no, Steve, I, I'm thanks. Off you go, because I know that that 20 <laughs> will 10x, <laughs> right? So, yeah. you know, I have no problems with that. And so, and that's what you want to do internally is basically, you know, be the, you know, be the Midas, right? You know, you got the Midas touch.
0: On the opposite side of that, in a place with a lot of formality Mm -hmm. and like specific review processes and things like that, how do you approach that?
2: So, you make sure that all of your activities move to switching uh, knobs and switches on your units of measure in an upward direction, okay? And then as you're doing that, you may say that the way that I'm being measured um, is very loosely coupled to the business outcomes. That's bad. You're very poorly positioned when that's the case, right? So you want to try to have it so that your current role or the role that you're going to go into more directly has your individual unit of measure map that uh, of the business, so that as the business is doing well um, and you're a facilitator of that, you'll go up. Okay. I, mm-hmm. I see that. And just to that point, too, is you are you are looking for opportunity. And the reality I have found is this, as someone who started businesses as well as the different roles, opportunities will avail themselves at a time and a place that you least are prepared or, or expect and and it's in those moments that you execute against that opportunity. It can be within the company, or sometimes it may be with uh, outside of the company. And there are times when I don't execute, and I reflect back. I'm like, oh, I shoulda, I shoulda done that. I should have. That was an opportunity, you know. But like everybody else, right? Insecurity. You and 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 let me let the cat out of the bag. You can be a person who has exited a company and has done well for yourself. And you still fight with insecurities and and uh, fear and all of those things. You still do, um, but you push through.
0: Th- that leads right into the next question we had, um, talking about those fears and insecurities. Like, what do you want to avoid when you're trying to move up?
2: So, check your ego at the door. Come with every interaction with people with high intent that you are to be of help. Because if you really internalize that you are trying to help. People around you get the outcomes that they want personally and professionally, they will invite you in with open arms. And so, and you can't fake that. You cannot fake high intent, right? Character and integrity. I read a Forbes magazine, and this has been absolutely my experience. They said that uh, high net worth individuals, people of $10 million or more, and 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 new money, not money that was inherited, they said without doubt. Absolutely every single one of those people had high levels of character and integrity. And that, that's the long game. You can lie, cheat and steal your way to that next role or to that short term outcome, but it will not uh, help you in the long run. And so be, be of good character, be of good integrity uh, and really internalize being of help to others and, and knowing, um, knowing how you can produce outcomes for them. And, and then what you'll do is you look back at a 20 year career highly successful and um and 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 you didn't manipulate a thing of it you just stay focused on helping people and so that's what i do every day i got to i got to help my employees get the outcomes they want personally and professionally knowing that if they do that they will be at peak performance and when people are at peak performance good things happen for our customers which will rise all
1: boats
0: uh, i can i nice. can totally understand that um
1: yeah and I guess that uh, also puts into the mix that you don't want to be doing, you know, gossip and office politics and those kind of things. I'll tell you, um, for a little while in between my two, this startup and
2: the, when I exited, I was a business management consultant in the MA space. And I w- basically would be brought into a business unit to basically turn it around and uh, do assessments. And so, often than not, what I have to do is a combination of things. I have to let the toxic people go, right? I just... They got to go right. There's almost no remediation, unfortunately. And then after that, it's a matter of putting a path and principles uh, in place to you know to kind of carve out some of the rest of the cancer of you know the, the the people that can stick around and put them in the right spot and and um, set them up for success. And then ultimately, the company will be successful. Uh,
0: um, I got passed up for a promotion, and I was told uh, basically that the reason I got passed up was that her attitude was better. I had kind of grown com- a little complacent, a little bit of that uh, that grumpy mid level developer, you know, where it's just like yeah. just grumpy about everything, and you know, I don't have time for this and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a real wake up call because yeah. you know I I knew I was a better programmer, but the I was not a better employee, and so um, I really I, I got together with the with one of the leads, and he helped me kind of make some adjustments in my attitude and that yeah. like the next, next chance for promotion, I was at yep. the top of the list.
2: I will, I will tell you that I will tell you two things, personality, uh, and, you know, capability and capacity, I guess is kind of the two things. How do I, how would I categorize those? I can give you experiences where I have had literally, um, master degree level computer scientists who could tell you all about the polymorphic object oriented, abstracted facade, le- g- Awesome. Sounds great. Sounds great. But to get business value out of them and to have them be a team player was painful, painful. But yet I would have other people on the team that would apologize me to their blue that they're a high school a graduate, never even a c- extra class in high school, and they're crushing it. They're li- highly likable. They're a team player and they crank. They produce business outcomes. And so in my organizations, I kind of do look a little bit at the resumes, but I just get on the phone. And I say, talk to me about yourself. What What have you done? All of that. And literally in a half hour conversation, I know exactly what I have.
1: I would agree with that. Um, and I've been on both ends of that, you know, because I went through the uh, the grumpy, you know, mid-level developer uh, time period there for a while too. And it, it didn't work. Um, I got promoted to management and I was terrible. And you know, I had a team that, you know, like, I don't think I added value there. So, it was kind of one of those things you get promoted into a position that you can't get promoted out of. Right. And that, I would say for me in my career, I would say
2: um, the manager level was the hardest uh, between, you know, uh, know, junior programmer, senior programmer, junior architect, senior architect, manager, director, VP, manager was the hardest. You either want to break through that and become a director or you want to fall back. And that typically is what happens. And here's why. You're still learning how to lead people, and you tend to manage people, and you do not do that. You manage projects and programs, you lead people, and that is where sometimes in that management role, you're not empowered to be a leader. But you really should be. And so you're caught in this world of, I should be leading, but that's kind of what the director and the VP want to be doing. So I, I can't do that. I got I to gotta be more like a taskmaster. And then, you're, then you start tasking people. And then your leads and your seniors are like, dude, I've, I've got 15 years, 20 years industry experience. Don't task me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, tell tell me the goal. I'll give you a date and I'll, you know, or in story points, if you're agile, you know, just, you know, I, I know what I'm doing. So, um, I, I just think for me, that management level was the hardest in all of my career. Once I broke through director, it was like, oh, now I can lead, you know, I can lead more. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, so, and, you know, that brings up another question because I've kind of been, you know, in and out of management at different points. Um, how do you break through that? Like, because it was it was a phase transition that was really hard to deal with. Because a lot of times you're still a developing manager, and you're expected to do 40 hours worth of code and manage a team. Well, man, I would have to say that the the techniques are
2: situational. They are different based off of the size of the company. They can be sometimes different because of the um, the, the 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 industry or the sector that you're in, and then it can also then a third kind of element to that be just just the culture of the company. Um, But definitely, you want to be leading people and be seen as a leader, and you absolutely, as you go up, have to be producing business outcomes. Obviously, as a junior engineer, you're you're just an individual contributor, right? So you're going to be measured a completely different way than as you move up the food chain. And, And the other thing is, is that when you can produce new revenue streams, like, you know, not just that you're you're providing revenue within an existing channel but you can actually create a brand new revenue stream i mean you're going to shoot up super fast cuz you're almost you what you almost do you almost kind of you and your team almost becomes a company within a company right and, and now you're a reven- a new a, a, a profit center within the organization. And if you can talk like that, you can say, listen, we're a profit center. You know, we, we, you know, we're executing, we're delivering, we're producing revenue. I know how to manage costs. We have like almost like a little P and L within the company. I mean, people like that, I just love, I'm like, come on in. Yeah. I got, you know, I'll give you more and more responsibility as much
1: as you can take. <laughs> so how do you broach the subject of advancement with your manager? I mean, obviously you're kind of prepping the, the conversations before you're, you're there, right? Yeah. Um, that can be a difficult one, right? So,
2: A, there has, you have to have situational awareness. What do I mean by that? Where is there an opportunity for advancement? And when, when do people start to queue up because there's the director who's been there forever and will be, and so there, that's a gate, you know? And so, if you're a senior and you're trying to move up, and your boss is a manager and that manager knows that he's not going to get director, there can be a little bit of contingency there, right? He doesn't want to now have you and him competing for that role when it comes due, right? So, there's a lot of, when are people going to retire? It, you know, are the people up in the food chain moving up, moving out? Is the company growing? Is it fairly static? Um, you got to have really good situational awareness uh, in your career path within any one employer. Absolutely.
1: So what do you do if it is static and it's, you know, more of a
2: smaller? So that's typically, and I think it's one of the questions here that you might ask me is, is when do you move out? And unfortunately, that's usually a situation where you need to move out before you move up. Um, If you think about it in the military, that almost always happens. I mean, for people that move quickly through the military, they're stationed all over the world because they have to move over to move up. Right, and that happens actually a lot in e- in, in IT. If you look,
1: the average uh, tenure is eighteen months. I mean, I'm at I'm approaching the four year market at my at my current job, and that's you know one thing I've learned is that the the longer you stay anywhere, you know, the less you advance, and the less raises you get, or the fewer raises.
2: Now with that, I don't mean moving from employer to employer, although that does happen within 18 months, but you, you, you should be on a track towards, you know, um, and it it starts to spread a little bit as you start to get to the top, but you know, early on, definitely, you know, you're going from junior engineer, mid senior, and, and you're, you should be tracking if you want to, if you, if you enjoy the activities of that next role. And sometimes you get that next role and you're like, you know what, I don't want to be an architect. I like coding. And then you drop back down and like my brother, and then you're there for the next, however many years until you cycle out.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I jumped around a ton, you know, early on in my career. And I mean, this is the longest gig that I've had, but, you know, like some of the earlier ones were as short as, you know, six, eight months. I did a lot of contracting and that kind of stuff. And it was for that reason is, you know, you get new experiences and the higher pay is easier to justify because you're kind of coming in and making a new first impression. Yeah.
2: Yeah. One, one technique that you can use is if you're producing business outcomes to people in HR, communications, um, product owners, right, on the business, they may go to IT and want you to be elevated. So, that, that's the most powerful thing there is, right? So, you know, your manager isn't seen as a business outcome producer, but you are. And now you have people advocating for you on the the uh, in the other functional areas of the business for you to be promoted because you know why, S- you know uh, Chuck did really good with this ten thousand dollar project. I need him to move up so that I, he can be in charge of a bigger part of my budget because this guy delivers. This guy's got the Midas touch, and I've seen it. I've seen people. They're they're not trying to make necessarily their IT chain of command happy. They're getting pushed up because the, 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 the other functional area leads are saying you, you need to promote, you need to promote Chuck like now. Yeah. I like that angle. Yeah. If you do that, you're in. That's why, that's why I say focus on the business outcomes. Remember, I tell you, you can be a high school graduate. If you're, if you produce business outcomes for me, you and I are going to get along just fine. Just fine.
0: When, when we're focused on those business outcomes, um, you're going to be stronger and weaker in different areas do you recommend working on your weaknesses or trying to improve your strengths? So, I would say definitely to the extent
2: that you can augment your technical skills with soft skills, that is the better mix. Meaning this, I remember, and I think almost anybody, probably in engineering, uh, has had this where they kind of want to be the smartest guy in the room, right? I'm going to put in the extra time, I'm going to be the smartest guy in the room, I know I'm the smartest guy in the room. Everybody in the room knows I'm the smartest guy in the room. And that and that's that's going to be my thing. And that's that sometimes can be that Pete, you know, that 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 masters degree guy, right? Mm-hmm. And what they don't know is the person that doesn't max out technically, right? No, I don't know the third parameter of that method signature. You got me. You memorized it, I don't. But the other guys like, I don't know that, but I know where to go to find that out. And now I'm going to focus on my soft skills, uh, w- you know, and then produce business outcomes. And then you're rising up because you know how to produce outcomes versus being the, the smartest guy in the room. And I, I will tell you that I made really good money on my technical skills. I made more money on my soft skills. And when you couple the two together, oh my goodness, bar none. Uh, there's study after study. If you have a good dual wheeling, right? If you're dual wheeling, engineer and business minded person, oh my goodness, boom! You are at the top top percentile in in uh, in industry, bar none. It's not even close.
1: Well, uh, towards that end, how do you work on your soft skills? I mean, what's the uh, what's the angle there for developers?
2: Think more external than internal, right? Um, so you go, okay, I need to produce outcomes because I support our communications department. Pretty much all the software I'm writing within the company supports communications and HR. How can I get to know the business of HR and communications better so that I can anticipate the needs of my customers so that um, you are seen as a conduit for them to produce outcomes and then that's when they go to H- to, to IT and say you need to be promoted because they need to give more budget to you so, because you're producing outcomes.
1: So would you recommend stuff like, you know, going to lunch with members of other departments and those kind of things to try to kind of build an intel network a little bit? Yeah. I mean, nowadays, if you really think
2: about uh, agile, I would be uh, talking uh, a lot with our with the product owners to the extent that you can. Right. Maybe start with the product managers because the product manager maybe kind of give you the eyebrow of, you know, why are you talking to my customer? Right. And, uh, but, uh, you know, to the extent that you can, you know, first, you know, uh, hook your wagon
1: up with the product managers and then eventually the product owners, that's what's going to give you better insights. Cool. That's, uh, you know, I like that idea. That's kind of like um, some of the thought process I've had here lately is, you know, since I've been speaking at uh, conferences and doing all this other stuff, I've thought about uh, when our company has conferences to see if I could get in a speaking role there so that I can get direct access to the customers.
2: Yeah, because think about it. You, once again, harken back to my conversation with Dan. You're writing more code for your developer manager is only going to get you so far. If that code produces business outcomes for that person in another functional area and they see you as the one who facilitated that, you, 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 that's it. That's 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 the
1: answer. How should you handle your annual review when you'd like a promotion? And how do you... Um make an annual review actually happen if that's not a thing. Yeah. So quite frankly, if you want to be aggressive, anytime you've
2: delivered a body of work and you know that it's already starting to provide business value, that is the basis for you to be able to uh, make an ask. Even if it's not when semi you know your, your six month or your annual review is because remember you want to be thinking in regards to outcomes and and if you if let's say you let's say you objectively realize that you know you're making 120K and this thing that you did objectively is 3X that. I would, I would go and say, listen, that was kind of the team. And I th- had a, you know, I feel as though I had a small part in leading that team and making that business outcome. And so here's my ask. You'd be surprised. Uh, they'll, they'll, people are like, wow, that's pretty bold. But it's like, no, they'd be like, no, you're, you're, you're right. You, you did produce those outcomes, you know. Uh, let me see what I can do with your ask. And you'd be surprised. They might even just say, yep, we can do that. Or they'll say, I can't quite do what you asked, but we can do this. And there you go. You've got more than you did otherwise. If they, if, if that's really, really against your culture or you just feel really um, uncomfortable with being quite that assertive, then definitely do all of your analysis and try to map back how all of your activities map directly back to outcomes, what the financial impact was to the business and then make your ask. It can be monetary. It could be extra leave or whatever. Cause remember uh, your compensation at the end of the day boils down to, to money when it comes to the business, whether it be earned time or better benefits or whatever the case may be, they're going to look at it in a monetary standpoint.
0: Right, Cause okay. I was about to, to ask about how to, uh how to approach that at um, a larger corporation or a government entity um, in, in the, the public sector where they have very established these are when we do this this is like the range of things that you can get yeah um, but uh, like what are what are things that you could ask for that maybe if they do have if, if they come back with well I can't give you a raise right what direction should you go
2: well I think that's to your point. I think that's so culturative, and I think it also depends on if the thing that you would ask for is a, a motivator, right? Uh, if they say, "Hey, we'll give you a lifetime supply of cupcakes," you're like, uh, "Okay, um, you know, it's not doesn't that's really not going to motivate me?" Uh, you know, so you know, I, I would just uh, it's it, this is what I'll tell you guys: everything's negotiable. Everything everything is, but Steve, it's a contract. Chiseled into a piece of stone, it's negotiable, you know, uh, other than uh, you, you know, it just is, it just is. Uh, because I, I remember early in my career, I'm like, no, nah, there's it's, it's, it's a policy. I'm like, policy can get changed, <laughs> and you might be the
0: first person to facilitate changing the policy because you asked. That makes sense because I mean, I, I, I have said this to people before. It's always going to be no if you don't ask. I
2: agree. Now, you you don't want to be abrasive and you got to be tact, you know, you got to be tactful about how much against the grain of the culture, uh, that you go. So you got to have some tact with that. And the older you get, you get better at that. But, but yeah, I mean, the worst they're going to do is say no. Um, and, but if you come objectively, quite frankly, if they say no, and you're like, well, can we look at my numbers? Where are my numbers off? And where, you know, are you saying I didn't produce that outcome? And if they just deflect, deflect, now you know where you stand with that company. You're like, wow, this is a company that I can't reach my full potential. Do I really want to be here? You know, maybe, yeah, maybe it's time, you know, and then you got to say, listen, and, and, and you may even do that. You may say, listen, employer, you know, I know that this is a company that's a great company and you want me to reach my full potential. And I produce these outcomes. And just think if I was in, in charge of more, think of what I could produce, right? I turned this into that. Now, now, you know, just put a common more zeros on that. I mean, you'd want that, right? I mean, you're opportunistic, aren't we all? And so, you know, where am I wrong in my thinking? And if they just deflect or whatever, then you kind of know. I'm just telling you if, you, if you, if we were collaborating and I could, I could invest in you dollars, time and team, and you can 3X or 10X that. Why? Why would I not do that? Of course, I would.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. You know, of course, one thing I I have noticed because um, I've you know gone in and asked for raises before at other jobs I've had, and one one thing that has been an issue is you know they've had um, cash flow problems, like right around like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Um, especially, I did that in a company that was heavily tied to the real estate market, and. I don't know how you get better at finding out what those things are. Cause like if you're, you know, you can change your ask based off of what you're able to observe. But like, I always had a hard time, you know, getting the, the intel. Part of what you can do is as part of your employment um,
2: uh, contract with them, you can say in order for me to meet my measurements, I need certain information to be shared with me. And and uh, they can say, no, we're not going to do it. And you say, but listen, how, how, can, how can I verify that I'm hitting my measurements if the, if the numbers aren't shared with me? And then if you can negotiate that, uh, let's say, let's, let's do the scenario where you can Then you use, you know, uh, fair market value, market trends, whatever, and then go to them and say, I asked for the numbers when I started. You didn't, you didn't give them to me. So I have what I think are fair numbers. And if they're not fair, tell me where they're not fair. And by the way, it would be really easy if you verified them with the real numbers and share them with me. (laughs) (laughs) And here's the thing. If there is a company that all of the other departments, all of the other efforts did not produce revenue and actually were a, a, a loss, but your team was profitable, you say, listen, because of the scope and the influence of my role, I can't help that everybody but us was not profitable. And we were the only people profitable. But the last thing you want to do is de-incentivize me because then I'll leave and then you'll have nothing profitable. <laughs> so mm-hmm. what you actually want to do is incentivize the people that are good behaviors, right, good actors. And so that's what it is. And the reality is, is that if you do the successful, you can get not only raises, but bonuses while the rest of the company is failing. If you position yourself, I know you say, Steve, I don't believe that. That can't be possible. I'm like, if you have the numbers, I, I just thinking about it myself. If 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 four of my employees are aren't doing so well right now, and and we're kind of hurting, and there's one that's doing really well, I want to continue to incentivize that person doing well because they're the one that's going to get us out of this mess. <laughs> I don't yep. want to. I don't. I don't want to. You know, deinvest in the one person doing well. And if you've got your numbers, you you know, you'd be surprised. People be like, Yep, you're right. Let's 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 make it right. Well, the half other of thing it too is half of it is in asking. It, it honestly is, and they're and they're kind of just hedging that you're not going to ask. And a lot of engineers they they tend to be a little bit introverted and they don't. And so they're like,
0: cool. Part of it too is you you incentivize the person that's producing. Yep, and it shows the other people that if they produce, they get incentivized as well.
2: You got it. That communicates to the rest of the team. These are the behaviors that we want, because these behaviors produce the outcomes that we need.
1: So, you know, towards that end, and if you're talking about the, um, especially a company that's got problems, is it better to be promoted from within in that situation or to try to change employers, you know, to get a promotion? Everything is situational.
2: What I try to tell people is this, you need to think of it that you are, you incorporated, right? Steve incorporated, right? And that you provide services... It just, your, t- your, your tax status can be W 2, 1099, or corp to corp, but it's you incorporated. By the way, I would, I would encourage you to, to be self employed because the IRS tax code is lends itself much better to do that than be W 2, but that's a whole nother podcast in and of itself. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but if you are W 2, um, you know, you provide services rendered and that you map your output to, to outcomes you're going to you know that's the theme of this whole podcast is map to outcomes and then there you go that's that's the model is is that um if to the extent that you can reach your full potential in your company stick around to the extent that you can't and another opportunity avails itself quite frankly you owe it to your spouse if you have one and your children whom you're responsible to provide and protect for to do what's in the best interest of them and you and you but you give first right refusal you'll say listen i i absolutely want to stay here i all i'm asking for you to give me an opportunity to reach my full potential is i i think that's the this, i think that is what this kind of company is so how, how how can we do that and look what i've done for you so i just want to do more of that at a higher level let's get started there you go i mean wh- what can they say to that no I, I don't want you to reach your full potential <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just want you to stay where you are
1: <laughs> yeah I, I do think sometimes though the timing of that can be a little interesting like i've um I have worked with uh for instance people that are fresh out of college or fairly recent and they'll get a you know they'll get a promotion and then within a month they're asking how to get to the next step and I think some of that's just social graces you know figuring out hey, if in that month they were able to take a hundred uh 10, 10 grand
2: and make it a hundred grand, I think they've earned the right i don't I don't think it's so much uh I don't think it's a time thing it's it's a capability, and the reality is it takes longer uh some people longer to produce outcomes than other but and and there are there are people that come to me and say steve i think i'm ready for the next thing and i'm like okay I, I want you to reach your full potential let's see what you've done and and we'll say you know what uh i'm not seeing the outcomes that would that would um uh manifest you moving into a, a broader role let's give it a little more time but I, believe me i absolutely want you to move up
0: on those lines what what if you go to him and say you know i want to move up i think i'm ready They agree, but they don't have the capacity or the opening to move you. So,
2: there's two techniques. You can say, when might something open? And if you like how soon that might be, then you can certainly afford them some runway. Um, But if they tag you along, then you've got to be like, hey, listen, I think I'm getting tagged along here. You know, you said maybe three to six months. I waited. And now you're saying maybe another three to six months. Um, I think the pressure of another opportunity will do that. But the other thing is this think out of the box. I have no problem with someone creating a role that doesn't exist. Why? Because they come to me and say, Steve, I think there's an opportunity for this. I think we should position ourselves against that opportunity in this way. And I would like to be the person to lead the execution of that. And we'll do it in a measured way that if my read of the situation is wrong, we stop. I'm going to be like, that's not... Uh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm on board right now. Let's go. I think people don't realize that there's ways that they can create a whole new, um, opportunity, you know, don't, you know, think out of the box. Cause remember, uh, and I think in startups, it may be different than really structured, um, you know, fortune 500 corporate, uh, they, they, they sometimes can't have people thinking quite that entrepreneurial, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, they're kind of like, don't know how to do with somebody like that. But, um, but there are cultures, even in fairly large companies, that they are on board with with letting people reach their full potential. And I have people petition me with ideas too, you know, pitching me for things we should be doing or whatnot. And if they've built up trust, you know, I'm more apt to just say yes. And then some people I'm like, yeah, you know, let's let's go a little bit slower on that.
0: Well, that makes sense. And I've I've seen this happen with a friend of mine where he uh, the next step was to move into management and he is not the management type uh So they like he worked with the director and um, they created a position where he could be over the technical stuff, but not have to manage people. And it suited him perfectly. It was a great fit for him.
2: Yeah, that's usually those people tend to make good uh, solution or enterprise architects. They are at the top technically and seen as a senior person within the teams, but everybody is uh, dotted line to them, not solid
1: line. Yeah, I, I noticed that was, um, I've had some occasions where I've been put into a position where I, you know, it was like that. I had kind of direct reports, but I had no authority. Yeah. And it was that kind of deal. Um, and I guess a lot of architects, that's, that's pretty common. But what I would tell you is this, to the
2: extent that you have dotted line uh, roles, that will prepare you for executive leadership. The reason being is, is that people think those solid lines is what empowers them. It's not. That is for man- managing and tasking people. I always want to be in a position where people want to do things for me, not because I've told them to do something. And the relationship is really good when they can actually anticipate my need and come to me and say, Steve, I think this would be benefit to us and to you. And I'm like, absolutely. So, if you can excel in moving people to action without having a solid line, you will do very well and be able to move up as far as you you want in leadership. Absolutely. And sometimes people have come to me and say, Steve, I just can't get the team to work for me because I'm a dotted line, not a solid line. I'm like, that solid line is not going to do it, my friend. It's not going to do it. And once you start tasking people, especially engineers, good luck with that. Let me know how that works for you. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. so um, um i, I, I want i
2: went, i one time i one time was hanging out by a buddy's cubicle and somebody came across and said something and the guy literally looked at them and said are you tasking me i um I, it, I i i almost blew a gasket i was i was laughing so hard
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> yep oh, that's awesome so, speaking of uh, dotted lines and solid lines, um, how do you handle situations where your boss is wrong while you're trying to move up? You know, like, how do you, how do you communicate to them that, hey, maybe they're not approaching something in the, the best way, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah. Um,
2: so, that is the life of the consultant. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Because you, you normally, add at a principal consultant level, are working for people that are probably at least two to three rungs below you in 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 career right so man it just takes a lot of soft skills to uh you know uh you know constantly saying stuff like okay yep you know we could do that uh but you know maybe consider this right so you got to be kind of soft and the other thing too is this a great technique is if you can take someone on a journey where they see it for themselves the way you do, that's how you can move them to action. So, if you came in, knocked on the door, said, uh, hey, boss, uh, I really think we should do this, and it's your idea. And let's say they see you as somebody that could actually take their job or displace them or whatever, you you pr- you produce conflict just by your very presence, right? So, they're like, ah, don't give me your idea because now I'm going to feel like it's a good one and now I've got these insecurities and then I'm going to manifest all these behaviors onto you because you're not making me feel good. What you can do is work with that person in a way that you can kind of seed the idea, bring it around, and then to the extent that they say, hey, um, why don't we do blah, 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 and it's the exact same thing that you were going to pitch, but it's coming from them, uh, you will do well politically. Now, your ego is going to take a hit because you're saying so. You're telling me, Steve, to just serve everybody my ideas and make them successful. You can you can do very well politically if, to the extent that you're able to do that. And uh, I'll be honest with you: some days it's easier than others. But uh, definitely, for a consultant, you got to be very mindful when you are hired to make a person successful or a project. And often it's to make a person successful.
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds very familiar to me because I've I've definitely. Uh pulled that approach quite a bit, um, especially I've, you know, I've worked with a lot of companies that have older software and a lot of technical debt and help them clean it up. And you, you have to play that otherwise you're you're butting heads against ego the entire time you're there.
2: Yeah. And I say all of this stuff, you got to make it a conscious effort, right? I mean, I, I think sometimes we think we're coming with with high intent of that. Well, I just want to give them this idea. And you're so focused about the technology and the implementation and all that, right? Because we're engineers. That's how we're wired. That um, – you, you go out of that meeting with the person being all defensive, right? Like I told you, and manifesting all these negative behaviors towards you and you're like, what? I thought it was a good idea. Why are they so, you know, wigging out on me? And it's because, you, you know, you don't have that situational awareness of what's happening politically and all those other things. So, that's why I was saying that soft skill side will really, really help you. Mm-hmm. Now, if you work in a team or a company that's toxic, um, I, I wouldn't put up with it. Um, it's, it may be time for you to go. And unfortunately, sometimes um, bosses and and even if you have two or three people in a chain of command, they can make an entire team or department toxic and and there is no place to go and except out, you know, so don't be shy with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unfortunately, it happens. Then they're done that. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Um,
0: I've, I've not done that uh, since I've been in development, but uh, yeah. back in my medical psychological days, yeah, I definitely have left a few jobs because yeah. I'm like this is just not a good place to be.
2: Yeah, and if you yeah. see a friend doing that, you know, go up to him and say, uh, tap on the shoulder and say, uh, you know, no sense in arranging the chairs on the Titanic, right? Um, yeah. You know, we need to go. <laughs> yeah,
0: that is that is very good.
2: Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, appreciate what you're doing. Right,
0: it looks nice. Uh, we got to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. So. Steve, we really want to thank you for, for coming on. This has been a great conversation. I, I know I, I've enjoyed it. I got a lot out of it. I know Will has too. Yeah. Guys, it is better to prepare for your next career move consciously rather than letting it be something that just happens to you. To do this well, you need to position yourself appropriately to help improve your skills and your employer's perception of you so that you can take your next career step. That pretty much wraps us up. Before we close everything out, Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade?
1: Well, uh, you know, hitting on the uh, intentionality aspect of things, I one thing that I've found that has been really helpful for me in my career is when I see something that... Uh, makes me nervous or I feel like oh man I don't know if I can do this is to just run straight at it because a lot of times what ends up happening is is you you tell yourself that it's worse than it actually is that's part of it but the other part of it is, is it scares everybody else too and so if you're the guy that gets through that you're ahead of the pack just you know by the fact that you went and you did something that was a little bit bolder than what is expected from you know the cohort of people that you're in now that doesn't mean do anything really crazy but you know look at something and go oh you know, if, if you're scared of managing people, if that makes you nervous, maybe try to force yourself into situations where you can force the learning on yourself a little bit, and and actually lean into it instead. In other words, use that uh, that cringing fear as a little bit of a signal instead of as something to say, "Okay, I got to stay away from this." Say, "I'm going straight at this," and I just want to throw that out there as a good idea. That's all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for
0: IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live
1: talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to completedevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.